Hello and welcome into the Lone Star Varsity Podcast brought to you by the University Medical Center and powered by AJ Media. I'm Mike Graham, joined as always by Brian Navarrete. And Brian, week five, and the games are starting to get real. Uh, we've, got, we've got a good mix of uh, inaugural district games and challenging non-district games coming up this week. When you say games are starting to get real, you're not kidding. Coaches always talk about it. The regular season uh, you know, it is what it is, but as soon as district comes around, you're 0-0 again. Now every game means something. Now you're vying for a playoff uh, uh, spot, and, you know, it's make or break for some of these teams, and uh, I think we have an interesting one coming up. Yeah, we've got a, we've got we've picked out four games for you, and we'll start out with the, with the district <clears throat> games. And I, th- I think number one, I think this one is pretty big. It's uh, Palo Duro at Plainview and these are two teams that, that had difficult seasons and and someone's going to get a nice win in District 3-5A and that's a big deal because this is an 18 league with a lot of traffic in it and um, I, I think for Plainview this is a, a really important game just because it's a team that they beat last year it's a challenging district it's a uh, way to start the the, the, the uh, district season on a high note and they probably got the uh, capability to beat Amarillo Palo Duro. Yeah, uh, just to talk a little bit about A-team districts, uh, you know, there's a lot of good things to be said about it and a lot of bad things to be said about it. Bad, you know, you're going up against what some teams in Texas don't have to, and that's, you know, eight different teams vying for one spot, which makes it that more competitive. Positive, it's that much more competitive. You're going to see some of the best ball uh, that you've seen out of your kids in this time of year. Plainview coming into this one, I think it's very feasible that they can get the best of Palo Duro. Palo Duro coming in 0-3 and Plainview 1-2. They pick up a big win against Borger uh, last week, 30-0. to They started clicking, started getting some things going. So we'll see how the Bulldogs kind of uh, fare against the Dons. Yeah, it was kind of a, a rough start for, for Plainview. And, and obviously drawing Coronado for your week one opener is not a whole lot of fun. And, and that was Coronado's by far uh, biggest winning margin of the season, but uh, Plainview seemed to, st- to turn a corner last week with their with their 30-0 win. Uh, first time that the defense uh, really had a, a a really strong game, and you know Borger wasn't the best team uh, last year, and probably not the best team this year. But I think that there's something to be said about having confidence coming into this game, uh, and and a really well-rounded win for the Bulldogs last week. And I think that's exactly what they get from winning that game last week is some confidence. And what a great time to kind of. Uh, get that confidence is right before you hit district uh shutting out or getting a shutout and scoring 30 points i think on both ends of the ball you're you're feeling good heading into you know district play uh, i think one of the players that really kind of exploded last week i believe was andrew via for playing view on Very the offensive back. side yeah uh, I'm, I'm interested that's actually my game this week and i'm interested to see what kind of back he is I don't remember seeing him all too much last year, but I kind of want to see if he's more your speed back, power back, which with playing view, I think you got to be a little bit of both in that offensive scheme. But defensively, you know, getting that shutout gives your kids some confidence. Maybe uh, uh, these kids saw their what they're able to do, what they're able to accomplish, and they're going to be able to translate that over into district. But that game is going to be a 7 p.m. kickoff, and that's going to be in plain view. And uh, I'll be there for that one, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I've always liked Plainview and uh, everything that they're able to do, so I'm excited to see how what they kind of bring to the table. Friendliest press box in the world, too, and, and all the pizza you can eat. <laughs> you got to love the pizza. 
Now, Plainview won this game 31-14 to 14 last year, so, you, so right off the bat you think it's a winnable game, and, and wins are very important. Uh, the, the, uh, the three teams behind the district champion all went 5-2 and two in this district last year, so that's about the number you, you think you need to hit uh, to be securely in the playoff picture this year, 5-2, and two, and it's always nice to get off to a 1-0 and start. I think that um, this, is, this is one of the more favorable games on their, on their district schedule, so they've got to get it done here and, and give themselves some leeway down the stretch. Yeah, get it done game one in district, and the rest kind of come, I think. Or they won't come to you, but it'll be a lot easier for you heading down the, down the path. Now, a second district game that's going on, it's, it's Taps Division Three District 1, and it's Trinity Christian versus Lovett Christian. A good rivalry game just because the two schools are similar. And for the first time since uh, Trinity Christian joined the 11-man uh, ranks of, of teams, I think they have a chance in this game. They, they come into it 3-0. and uh, They got a 36-20 win over a Sudan team that beat them 36-0 last year. Yeah, Trinity Christian has made uh, strides in its program, just like much of its other programs. Uh, they've made some strides in what they've been able to kind of bring to the field. Right now they're sitting at 3-0, and which is an incredible record, I think, for a four-year uh, program. And we were talking with the coach on Tuesday – or on Monday, rather – if you want to get out and kind of uh, catch up with a little bit of that, it's on LoneStarVarsity.com, our coaches show. But, yeah, Trinity is doing some big things this year. You saw a whole bunch of the freshmen. I keep saying it, but I want to repeat myself because I think it's kind of remarkable in that the freshmen that were coming in who were helping build the program are now seniors, and this team is now 3-0. and They bought into some systems. Obviously, they had some coaching changes over the last couple of years, but it kind of seems like they've just kind of stuck together. And they're playing really well right now. Um, Alex Timmons, I believe, is one of their playmakers on the offensive side. Hunter Pintaniello, um, I think he plays both ways. And um, from what I heard, he had a really good defensive game. Oh, no, my bad. I'm sorry. This is Lubbock Christian. Lubbock Christian, who is sitting at 3-1. and one. Alex Timmons is quarterback, I believe, for him. And Hunter Pintaniello uh, plays both sides of him. From what I heard for uh, – you know, the Eagles, he had a really good defensive game, even though they lost last week. Fraternity Christian, Cade Crawford, who was one of those freshmen I was referencing, I think he's approaching 500 yards passing. Daniel Wheeler, you saw it on tape firsthand, long stride, very athletic kid. Uh, I think he's going to be another factor in this game. Does it all, can, can play a wide array of skill positions and also a key kicker returner, scored the uh, first punt return touchdown of the season last week. And you know, Brian, I think that this is a, a much bigger game for Trinity Christian than, than Lubbock Christian. Lubbock Christian won the district championship last year. Trinity Christian scraped in, but they had a 3-7 and seven regular season record. I, I think that this is a statement game like, hey, we're here. We're also in Lubbock, and we're going to be contending uh, with you for this thing in, in future years. And I think you made a great – you know, you told a great story, a great anecdote in the office a couple of days ago just about – how when this program was getting started, they had seniors on their team, but they were like, well, you know, like we don't have a whole lot of football experience, and, and we're here to get this freshman class ready. And, and like you said, those freshmen have become seniors. Yeah, uh, those seniors, you know, they pointed over at those freshmen. I remember sitting in the gym, and they said, you know, those kids, as soon as they're seniors, they're going to be great football players. And I believe it up to this point. Uh, even then, they were helping contribute on the varsity side. Daniel Wheeler was one of their number one wide receivers as a freshman. Uh, Cade Crawford, I believe, kind of was in and out. But, yeah, I think it was kind of selfish in uh, the kids, the seniors, to just have that mentality that we know we're not going to go out, we're not going to go over 500 this year, but we're not here for that. We're here to help build this program, and they're the future. 
we'll be picking this game on our Facebook live show. If you're listening to this on on Wednesday, that'll that'll occur around seven in the seven o'clock hour uh, of the evening on Wednesday. And if you're listening to it after Wednesday, it's already up, and you can see who we've got in this game. But but just. Coming into it, you have this undefeated Trinity Christian team, but you have the legacy of Lubbock Christian. LC obviously lost to to Hawley last week. I mean, you want to hint at it? You, you, do, you, do you think anyone's got an edge in this game? Um, obviously, Lubbock Christian has been around a little bit longer, but they are suffering a little bit in terms of they lost a big playmaker. Um, they, I wouldn't say they were kind of rebuilding because they've had the players. They uh, – they have players. Um, I think Trinity Christian is coming in with a little bit of momentum. I think excitement more than anything because, of course, you want to make a statement in your first district game, and uh, it'll be a huge statement to make for them. It's something exciting for Trinity Christian. While Lubbock Christian, I don't think it's just going to be like fold. They're going to give them their best game because, you know, and it comes to uh, new programs versus old programs. I feel like the old programs are kind of they they kind of hold a mentality like this is my house. They're very defensive. <laughs> yeah, yes. very defensive. So uh, I think it's going to be a different game than it would have been a year ago. As far as my prediction, no hints just yet. Check into the show. Yeah, I think that is going to be an interesting discussion on the show tonight. A couple of interesting non-district games too, and I, I think one of the biggest ones is. Um, Shallow water at Lubbock High. This is an opportunity for the Westerners to, to get it turned around. Uh, they've been outscored 102 to zero the past two weeks with with tough losses to to Dumas and Estacado. Um, but Shallow Water uh, is is no slouch, and they're coming off an open date, and, and they're three and zero. And I don't think that we were expecting that to begin the season. The Mustangs are rested up. They are rested up after that bye week. A lot of people say that the bye week uh, you kind of get low on energy, but. It also gives you a lot of time to prepare for your next opponent and kind of rest up, lick your wounds, as a lot of coaches like to say. I hear that quite a bit. You lick your wounds, get really healthy. So Shallow Water's coming in healthy, and they're coming in, I think, confident. They're sitting at 3-0. and uh, There's a lot of energy over there. I keep saying energy, but it's true. Week five, I mean, you're either excited or you're not. And uh, Shallow Water, I think, is one of those teams that is. Uh, Lubbock High is going to have uh, – I think this is going to be a little bit closer than maybe some of Lubbock High's other games because if you think about it, Lubbock High has seen some tough teams, some really tough teams. Not to say Shallow Water is not, but we're talking about classification, like difference of two different classifications almost, where they had to go up against quite a bit of adversity, and sometimes adversity plays pays off. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I think that's one going to be one of my questions for, for Jason Strunk as, as I write into the, the preview of this game. I mean, do you feel like you're you're taking on two Region 1 contenders in back-to-back weeks? I think Estacado has really turned a corner, found its stride, and it looks like a, a great 4A Division 1 contender the rest of the way. Uh, but maybe you can say the same thing about Shallow Water. You know, maybe, maybe the teams that they've played already – have not turned out as, as good as we thought they would be to begin the year. Um, but they're 3-0, and and they're winning convincingly, and they have some great athletes on their team. Yeah, speaking of, uh, Cutter Sparks, I believe he was up for Mr. Football at one point, mm-hmm. or Mr. Texas Football. Um, I think he's past the 500 mark, maybe at – no, after – yeah, yeah, no, after this week, or uh, – no, they were off last week. So that puts him at 658. Sorry, my math is off. Um, yeah, 658 yards passing, I believe, and he really runs that offense. Uh, there's other elements to their team, obviously. I believe Kobe Wood is their number one still. 
but there are other elements to that team outside of those two that really contribute and are really beneficial that just really get things done for shallow water. What's crazy was their turnaround, and maybe we talked about it week one, but man, just what they've been able to accomplish is miles from what they were able to kind of bring to the table last year. Uh, they're impressive. Uh, I would like to get out to a game and watch them. I want to see what makes them tick, what, what makes them so successful. Because obviously you, te- you see tape, but whenever it's cut up, you're seeing play. Just the highlights. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, highlights. The, the absolute best. But I, I'll tell you, I mean, uh, seeing them play against Level Land, which was a full classification bigger, um, you know, the, the keys to uh, a, a convincing 35-17 win in that game was just that they, they could play possession ball on offense with, with um, Cutter Sparks uh, converting third downs with his legs uh, when he needed to or finding Kobe Wood or, a, you know, a good array of, of th- uh, you know, a, a deep 3A Division One uh, receiving core. And then defensively, they're just tough, especially up top. Um, now, Lubbock High, they're going to have a numbers advantage in this game. They're, they're a 5A. They're a, they're a tiny little 5A as far as participation. But I think that they'll – they have a they – have a, they have a a lot more players on their roster that they can that they can throw out despite the the fact that their participation is low for 5A, and uh, they have probably the uh, one. If he's not this year, he's going to be the best running back in the South Plains region uh, the next two years in Isaiah Johnson. Yeah, and maybe Isaiah Johnson is going to get a little bit more push up front because I don't know if Shallow Water has the size that Estacado had up front. Um, every time he tried to get anything going, he's hitting a wall. Here, if he gets a little bit of daylight, you might see the Isaiah Johnson that, you know, you saw or you could see and potentially can continue to see, you know, like in that week one game against Seminole, you know, where he's breaking breaking tackles, hitting the hole, uh, just doing a really good job. Um, it, it, I think for Shallow Water, it's containing him and at the same time, don't give up the big play. Uh, Kwame Milborn has an arm, and I think they have some wide receivers uh, that can – do some big things for him, as well as uh, Kwame Wilburn's pretty fast himself. Mm-hmm. So there's the uh, upside of him kind of taking himself. Uh, Lubbock High has its weapons. Um, defense, when it comes down to this one, you talk about possession football that Shallow Water plays. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of football I like. I like whenever you can eat up the clock and, you know, you're not relying on the big play. You're not having to go out there and score, you know, on big plays of 30 or more, although it's good. Yeah. It's good that you can, but I love to just kind of eat the clock. I think you're right. I think that the most exciting games are when there are a lot of third down conversions because those are those are where the games will swing and there, there are frequent opportunities to, to see that battle. And Shalawat has been very good at that, but they haven't played a, probably a team this deep as far as numbers yet. I, I think that the the single biggest weakness to, to Lubbock High right now is just the, the health issues on their offensive line. Uh, they started running back at right guard last week, and, and that could be part of the problem for Isaiah Johnson, uh, or probably has been part of the problem for Isaiah Johnson leading up to this game and, and why he doesn't have uh, highlight tapes like some of the other talented backs in this area. Yeah, uh, Lubbock High got beat up in that Dumas game. You know, they went in not 100%. Uh, we'll see coming into this one. Maybe they get some kids back. Uh, if not, then they've just had another week to kind of mold these players that were forced into coming up into maybe more position players where they're at now. Uh, maybe, you know, moving the running back up another week under uh, uh, offensive lineman coach has helped him out. Um, maybe he's learned to 
do a few things that he didn't know before coming into it. But when it boils down to it, what I see this game kind of coming down to is whether or not Lubbock High can force a turnover on shallow water. We talk about possession football. Well, that can also be very dangerous in a way in that if you don't make that third down conversion, you're giving the ball away. Um, yeah, I think it's going to come down whether or not Lubbock High can kind of shut shallow water down and Isaiah Johnson can do what he can do, which it's going to be difficult because I think shallow water has a pretty effective offense. I wouldn't say potent, but effective. Cutter Sparks just seems very poised in his position, and I'm just excited to see the outcome of this one because, remember, I believe shallow water is also an Estacado opponent somewhere yes, down the yes, road. Yes, next week, yes. Yeah, so it's it's going to be very telling to see how well Shallow Water might perform. And, and just uh, one last note on this game. I mean, just how big do you think it'd be for Lubbock High to to get in the win column here? Uh, they're off next week, and then district play begins, and and uh, their their district schedule is not favorable down the stretch. They got a couple of critical games coming up. Um, whether and that, that'll probably determine whether they make the playoffs or not. Because um, I think they closed with Coronado the last night of the season, and and that's not an easy game. That's probably. Coronado has probably proven itself as the most premier large school West Texas team, whether that's 6A or 5A this year. Uh, we talked about it with Plainview. Getting that win before district really gives you some momentum. It gives you confidence. I think that's exactly what the Westerners will get if they end up winning this one is confidence. Uh, they had it at the beginning of the year whenever they won their game against Seminole. I don't think it's kind of uh, faltered like it hasn't fallen in any way I don't see from the Westerners I think that they're still coming out every day and they're still putting in 100% work ethic but just that little edge that little bit of confidence that is really going to put you over the edge when it comes to district is needed and I think that's exactly what they'll get if they're able to beat shallow water and then you get to turn around okay so you beat shallow water you got the confidence now you get a week off you're licking your wounds got your game you have confidence. You're healthy. Who's to tell what's going to happen in that first week or that first district game? And then the final game on our little list is a Lone Star Pride game. It's Clovis, New Mexico, at Lubbock Cooper. Yeah, this one's going to be. I think it's going to be a good one because I, I feel like Clovis, um, these El Paso teams have come a long way in the last couple of years, and I think Clovis is going to be a good test for Cooper before they also hit district play two weeks from now. Um, Clovis is averaging 34 points a game, whereas, you know, Cooper's defense has been where they hang their hats. So this game is going to be pretty interesting, but I think it's going to be very good for Cooper to see uh, what Clovis can bring to the table and just see a wide array of teams. If you look at the teams that they've played, each one brings a different offensive scheme to the field. And I'm not sure if that's how they drew it up to wherever they're prepared for anything come playoff time or during district. But, you know, they they face teams that are run first, shut them down. They play teams that are pass heavy, shut them down. They played balanced teams, shut them down, I, I, excluding their loss, of course. But they've been able to come out defensively and adjust different things. And I think Clovis is just another team that's going to give them a different look and – it's going to be a learning lesson for them. And, but they do a good job at adjusting to all these different offenses when you look at it. And then Clovis is 3-1 and one against New Mexico teams, um, only an overtime loss. They're playing large uh, New Mexican schools. So it's, uh, I, think, I think this is a good game. And, and Cooper, 
I'm not sure what to make of them after after last week's 28-26 uh, win against Weatherford. I don't think that Weatherford's a good team, and I think that I think that the defense definitely won that game. Uh, but I think that there's a lot that the Pirates can show in in this game. That that um, I think there's a lot that they probably want to to show after after that game. Yeah, uh, last week's game came down to the wire for them, and you said it yourself. Defense won it for them, but that's been the case since week one almost. Defense has won it for them. Um, tenacious, they were able to stay in it. Uh, that game obviously could have gone a little bit better for them. I think offensively, um, I wouldn't say that they're still trying to find themselves. They know what they're doing. They know what they're able to do. It's just maybe they're not able to get initial push up front or they're still kind of uh, working some things out, you know, in terms of schemes and things that they would want to do rather than what they have to do. But We'll see how uh, Cooper kind of plays in this one. I, I think if Cooper can come out and give Clovis a good game, give him 100%, maybe that's what uh, we haven't seen yet, 100%. And we're talking about defense and offense, mm -hmm. both sides. Like, we're seeing the defensive end of everything. Offensively, they're able to get it done. But <laughs> we're used to an, uh, an offense that's going to come out and make you pay and hand-in-hand and hand with their defense. So... Maybe that's not what we've seen. Maybe we've seen 80% of Cooper, which also is a good thing because that means there's more coming from the Pirates. And, and maybe one of the overlooked things about this game is just the, the sets of rules that the, the two schools play under uh, maybe comes into play. Uh, the UIL basically copies the NCAA rules in its rule book. And in New Mexico and most of the other states in the union, they play federation rules. And the differences aren't crazy. It's not like they're playing like first and 12 as they're down in distance or anything. But kickoff return... Uh, the way you can block as an offensive line and things like that. There are just subtle little differences between what New Mexico is coached to do and what Cooper's coached to do. And, and this year, uh, that it, it favors Cooper. You know, cut blocking, uh, being able to return kicks out of the end zone. Uh, you know, I'm not sure about New Mexico. I know other federation states, like there's a built-in timeout in every quarter, and that's always nice for, for water. Um, and here you're playing under NCAA rules. It's so interesting that you bring that up. Uh, I've seen it so many times in the past when these teams come down here. Uh, friendship is largely – they're very big into playing these teams early on in the season, and it really does plague them. It really does. These kids, uh, you're conditioned uh, under these rules out there, and then you come over here and all of a sudden you're restricted. Everything that you've been taught since maybe junior high, all of a sudden you're like, you can't do that. Yeah. You can't do that. And it's so – your scheme, let's let's break it down as an offensive lineman. Uh, cut block. You know, if you're allowed to do so, then you're going to do it. If you're getting beat, you drop down, you take him out, you know, or you're downfield, you know, you cut block. Mm -hmm. you, you are conditioned to do it. Now imagine doing that in a live scenario where your first thought has always been cut block. Now you have to condition your body to be – to reserve itself to say don't do that you're talking about two three seconds that linebackers past you right and this year it's going to be cooper that's uninhibited by those things they can they can cut block and and for clovis they can cut block in this game but they probably yeah they probably have not been coached to do that just because it's inefficient to to practice these things for for a non-district opponent uh another thing i think is is fun about these uh by-state games it's just 
the way penalties are conducted, like Federation still has the, uh, the old school five-yard face masking penalty, and then personal fouls like face masking are spot of the foul in, in Federation, and, and just quirky things. I mean, I remember last year in East Texas, I had a Texarkana, Texas high versus Arkansas high game, you know, two teams that are like a mile away from each other, but because they're in different states, have different school districts and play each other each year, and there was a face masking penalty where the quarterback got sacked, I think, 12 yards and, and basically the down and distance like a personal uh, personal foul face masking penalty is not an automatic first down it's a spot of the foul penalty so I think that that's set up fourth and 18 which became a fourth and three in Arkansas high ended up punting on it just little nuances like that I kind of nerd out over yeah it's it's going to be an interesting one I whenever these teams come into town I remember you know there's a lot of frustrations built up uh, you can see it in the kids but no uh, I think they're going to be able to kind of give uh, Cooper a good game still. If they're penalty-free, if they're able to kind of adjust to the rules, then I think it's going to be a good game. These are three-in-one teams, so we'll, we'll see what the outcome is for the Pirates. They are at home. Uh, the Pirates are very lethal at home. They're really good, and uh, Coach Catwinkle always has them ready. And then final note on this game, or just final thought, I mean – do you think it crosses their mind that they represent Texas in this game? Because that's always something that um, fans, you know, want to see. They they always want to see the uh, the Texas team take down uh, the the team from a different state or a different nation, even uh, in some cases. Uh, it, I think that that's important to the Texas high school football psyche for fans. Do you think it crosses the players' minds? I think for the players, it's kind of just the next game. Uh, you you see these teams all around Texas already. You know, it's not like somebody's coming out from you know, so on and so forth, and it's like, oh, welcome to Texas. No, uh, these team or this team has played in Texas before. Uh, a lot of those teams have played in Texas before. I think it's just another game for them. Now, if this team was coming out of, like, let's say New York, then, yeah, welcome to Texas. Let's, <laughs> let's play some football. But, no, uh, this, this team has been around Texas quite a bit. I don't think it really crosses their mind. Personally, I don't think it crosses their mind, but – uh, I think it's still going to be a good game. It always is. And then we just wanted to identify one team that's that's kind of been surprising through the first four weeks of the, the season, and that's La Mesa with uh, new coach Rodney Sims, the old offensive coordinator from Midland High. They have a 3-1 and one record, and, and, I mean, they do have a convincing loss to, to Neildeal, but just as convincing wins against Dimmitt and uh, Roosevelt and, uh, and, and then a very much improved also Slayton team. And then, um, you know, they've got Sweetwater up next, but – you got to love the turnaround that Lamisa's making right now. Yeah, they're doing big things there. Uh, they're already sitting in a better spot than they have in oof, what, what is it like three, four years? Yeah, they were maybe like nine even more. Last year, yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, a big part of that is their run game and what they're able to do. Jace Burleson, he's at the five hundred mark already. He's a big part of their offense, but their defense and everything being able to come together especially with how much they graduated last year. If you look at their backfield from last year to this year, they graduated quite a bit. And the turnaround has just been great for La Misa. If I'm them, I'm holding my head high. Uh, that one loss, learning lesson, like I always say, and now they get to kind of enjoy the benefits of being over 500 right now. Um, it helps coming in a district, but not to get too far ahead of ourselves because – Sweetwater surely is going to be a tough one in that week one. Uh, to draw that straw was kind of <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sweetwater, the uh, the defending region one uh, 
champion of a 4A Division One and also a state runner-up who who had a lead at halftime of the state championship game before um, uh, falling to you know just a, a West Warren Stark program that won its second consecutive title and Sweetwater's looking pretty good and and that looks like a dangerous game but but Lamisa is looking good and. I'll tell you what, South Plains football as a, as a whole is looking pretty good right now, especially at the at the lower levels. I, I think that there are some teams that are that are taking big steps, and you're seeing a couple of um, traditional teams fall off a little bit. But it's always nice when you when you get new blood uh, in, in that in that top, you know, that the premier little level of, of high school football. And, and Lamisa looks like they're on their way towards that place, and and that's nice. I believe it. There's definitely an uptick. You can feel it. You can kind of feel it, not only see it, you can feel it in the area. It's a good thing. Um, obviously, we want our teams doing good. Uh, we, we love to see success out here. But I think on that note, we might need to wrap it up. Uh, I think the, the listeners might have, to, might have had enough of us by now. And it's your off day, so we got to get you out of here before the show tonight. But, uh, Brian, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, once again, this podcast has been brought to you by the University Medical Center and powered by AJ Media. Thanks for listening in, and we'll see you soon.